All right. Good morning. All right. Get yourselves comfortable. Praise God. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. Praise God. All right. Let me read you a scripture this morning. I'd like to start with a scripture today. from Isaiah, the word says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Somebody say amen. 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 That scripture is is from Isaiah, but we read it again in Luke 4. And I love it in Luke 4 because it, it tells us Jesus goes into the synagogue, right? And he goes into the synagogue like he would normally do, like the rabbis do. And when you go to the synagogue, there's a time where you stand, the rabbi stands, and he reads from the, from the scriptures. And so <clears throat> there came a moment where they gave Jesus the scroll of Isaiah, Remember, before they used to write, the the, the scriptures was on scrolls, right? And so they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And so the word says he opens up Isaiah, he opens up the scroll, and he looks for a certain scripture, and he finds this scripture, and he reads it to them, and he says to them again, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the word says then he rolls the scroll back up. He gives it to the the people. This is Jesus' only rock star moment. He gives the scroll to the people. He's finished reading the scripture and he tells him, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And he walks off. That's Jesus' only rock star moment in the whole scriptures. He says, today this has been fulfilled. Church family, the, the same spirit is in each and every believer today. The same spirit, because the word says when we become believers, the spirit of God is sealed in us, right? Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, because if I go, the the Lord will send a comforter, and that comforter will guide us. And and so that same spirit is in each and every one of us today, and so each and every one of us today can proclaim, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Somebody say amen. Amen. Family, I believe we have been uniquely brought together to minister healing to the hurting to encourage the downcast, to speak life into the depressed and dejected, to give direction to those that have lost their way, to bandage the wounded, and to mend the broken. Pastor Gary and I were talking, and we decided since we've been talking in this series so much about who we are and where we stand Um, Since we have so many new people coming to fellowship with us, and by the way, we just welcome you. Welcome. If you're new here, if you've only been coming out for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or even a, a, a year or so, we just welcome you. And since we have so many new people that come out to fellowship with us on the regular, we figured this would be a good time in this series to talk about being a part of the local church. We wanted to talk about membership. And so next week, I'm going to get into the local church. We're going to get hard into the local church, who we're called to be, what we should be doing. But before we get to that, we have to deal with some of this. I was thinking, wouldn't it be odd if I preached an entire message with all of this stuff and never mentioned it? 
Wouldn't that be cool? Like you guys would go home and say, you tell your husband, your, your wife, and say, Papito, I, I was listening today. But he never mentioned the bags. What were the bags about? He preached a whole message. He didn't mention the whole, how come, right? You go to your wife and you say, Mama, I, you know, I know sometimes I got ADD and I don't pay attention too well. But did I miss the part about the bags? Because he preached the whole message up there with bags and he never mentioned it. Wouldn't that be odd? You would go home and, and, and you say, man, I mean, he was sweating. He had some serious baggage he was carrying around on the stage. It was hard for, for me to, to not be distracted and listen to what he was saying because of all of the baggage that he had. Mm. It, it was hard for me to, to get something from him because I was distracted because he had so much baggage that he was carrying around. And he kept, kept fumbling with it and, and, and checking on it and working. And it was so distracting. I, I didn't understand. I couldn't get what he was the message that he was trying to read. I kept waiting for the why. Anybody? Guess what, church? A lot of believers walk around talking to people, going through life just like this, because we haven't dealt with the baggage and the issues that we've gone through. And I know last week I told you, it's okay to not be okay. And that's still, I'm not, I'm not pulling that back. I love that some of you, 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 you posted that, and, and I love how the religious folk came back at some of you and said, hey, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and I love how I didn't see anybody here fighting, and we said, I know, you just don't understand. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but in Jesus, God sees me as perfect. So I know I'm not okay. I know I got issues. I know I got baggage. I know I'm not okay, but in Christ, I'm perfect. Amen? <clears throat> Thank you guys for, for, for loving me and understanding me. This is an awesome church. So being a part of a local church, being a part of the body of Christ is all about relationship. How many of you know relationships are not easy? Come on. Don't look to the left or to the right right now. Stay focused. Don't look at that person you haven't spoken to in three weeks, but you're still part of this church. Don't look over at the group that you think doesn't like you. Don't look over there. Stay focused on me. Don't look at the usher or the dean or the, or the, or the deacon or the pastor or the minister that you think doesn't like you because he didn't say hello to you that one time in the park. Just stay focused. We are all, relationship is all about understanding that we're all imperfect. From the pulpit to the, to the sound crew, we're all imperfect. We're unqualified. We're ill-prepared. We're undeserving. We're messed up. We're broken people. Amen? Amen. But God calls us the church. Listen, God calls us saints. Amen? We're saints. Now, uh, now, granted, if we were like those statues, if we were saints like them, we'd be the saints at TJ Maxx. You know, they might have a little chip in them. They might have a crack. They might have some tape across the back, so, but you're paying less for it. Amen? But listen, God calls us to supernaturally do what we couldn't possibly do in the natural. Amen? I love that old quote, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. So being part of a local church is being part of relationships. And like any relationship that we enter into, we all bring some baggage. Amen? Look forward, but we all bring some baggage. Some of you require three extra chairs next to you in church. Some of you are filling up the church because your baggage is taking up too many chairs. And we need to make room for people. Oh, that's a whole nother message. That's a whole nother message. Anyway. Listen, the fact that some of you are here right now and not in your previous relationship or in your previous church, that alone brings with it a whole matching set of luggage. Some of you got so many church logos on your bags that... <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh, man. I thought you go to the sanctuary, but your back says, El Caradio del Refugio. And, and this one says, Cristo es Santo Ministries, del de, de, de new this, whatever, from. Listen, church, we've all been hurt, whether we've been taken advantage of or manipulated or used or just grown up and out of certain relationships. We all got all kinds of issues. Some of, some of them are, are serious and some of them are pretty silly, right? The pastor didn't say hi to me in that place. The pastor don't like my wife. The worship director told me I can't sing. The choir threw me out. The ushers don't smile at me like they smile at my friend. They smile at my friend, but they don't smile at me. You know, so a lot of, we got a lot of petty issues, but we also got some real serious situations that we've all been through, amen? And so even, even those relationships that we leave on good terms, we still leave with baggage, right? So now I believe God called us the sanctuary for a reason. And I believe we've been uniquely gifted to be a sanctuary. And I believe we, as the ministry team of this church, that means all of us, as the ministry team of this church, have come together from different cultures, different experiences. We've come to understand that there are people in the body that have experienced a lot of hurt. And so before we get into being a part of the local church, <coughs> we got to deal with some of this stuff, amen? we got to deal with some of our issues before, before I help you deal with being part of the local church. Now, understand, not, not that we're going to make all of this stuff disappear. Not that we're going to make it all go away, you know, just like that. We don't want to put a, a spiritual, sometimes, you know, as Christians, we want to put a little spiritual band-aid on a gushing wound. That thing needs 18 stitches and you put in like a band-aid. No, you'll be all right in Jesus' name. We're not trying to do that in the emotional either or the spiritual or the physical, right? But, but at the very least, I, wanna, I want us to help you understand and identify some of that baggage. Is that, is that fair? So what we want to do today is help you identify some of the baggage that we carry around and slowly start to unload the burden of it so that we will be able to minister through it. Next week, I'm going to show you so many people in the Word that ministered with their baggage, through their baggage. Amen? And that's going to be great. But for today, I'm going to ask Pastor G to come. It's time to do a baggage check. Amen? Come on. Go ahead, G. So I'm, I'm going to speak about different areas of inner healing. And some of you have heard me teach on this before, but looking at your Facebook statuses, I think you need to hear it again. <laughs> See, this isn't always a popular message, especially when I go to different churches, about that God wants to heal the hurts and wounds of your heart. You know what people tell me? God only cares about your prayer life. He, he's only interested about how much you know of the word. He doesn't care about your emotions, your heart. But you know what happens? You end up with a lot of messed up people hurting a lot of people. If you don't deal with the junk inside. The, the scripture that Pastor George read before, I'm, I'm going to read it's quoted from Isaiah 61. That's where Jesus quoted from. And I'm going to read the first three verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor have, has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies to all who mourn in Israel. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. 
and their righteousness. They will be like oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted, so leave it up to the scholars to say that, that Jesus doesn't care about the brokenhearted. He only cares about how you serve in the church. God cares about every part of you, body, soul, and spirit. He cares about your health. He cares about your family. And he came to heal you. There's a story in the Old Testament about Saul. Samuel, who was the prophet, God told him, go to Saul and anoint him to be the king. There was a great calling on Saul's life. He was going to receive great honor and prestige, and he was going to do a mighty work. But when Samuel went to look for him, he couldn't find him. And he asked God in 1 Samuel 10, 22, where is, where is Saul? And you know what the Lord replied? He is hiding among the baggage. In other words, he felt shame. He didn't feel like he was worthy. He didn't, he didn't feel like he could do it. He felt rejected. So he hid among the baggage. And, and that's what Pastor George, he brought up that baggage. Because let me tell you something. I would say as a pastor through the years, more than 90% of Christians never fulfill their destiny, never, never step out into the calling that God gave them because of their hiding in the baggage, or messed up in the past, still hanging on to the messes that happened years ago because it begins to affect your heart. So... I want to talk today about different, different areas of baggage because we want to walk out healed. At least we want to begin the process. Because I'm believing that every one of you is going to fully fulfill everything that God has created you to do and your past is not going to hold you back anymore. The, the first area is unforgiveness. See, what unforgiveness does is it creates the barriers that prevent God's healing and peace in your life. See, you don't even need the Bible. The doctors will tell you the, the effects of, of, unfor, of carrying unforgiveness and bitterness in you. So I, I want to read something, just a few lines. Not from, this is not from a Christian writing. This is from a medical journal. It says, in study after study, results indicate that people who are forgiving tend to have not only less stress, but also better relationships, fewer health problems, and lower incidence of the most serious illnesses, including depression, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. Unforgiveness raises your blood pressure, depletes immune function, makes you more depressed, and causes enormous physical stress to the whole body. See, we don't have the right or the privilege to carry out, to hold on to the, to the hurts, to the injustices, to the wounds of the past. And, and believe me, I'm standing here knowing that many of you have had great injustices against you. Some of you, you've been deeply wounded, misused, violated. But here's the thing, we are not the judge. God is the judge, and he is the holy and righteous judge. So when God tells you to forgive, he's not saying, well, the person's just going to get away with what they did. You know, it was okay. So, so what if he molested you? So what? That's not what it means. It means we're going to let it go. And we're going to put it in God's hands. And that person one day is going to have to stand before a righteous and holy God and explain how they wounded you, how they tore your heart open. 
It doesn't mean they're going to get away with it. But here's what happens. When you carry that in your heart, well, here's the first thing. What I find is that people who are like that, they're happy to know that it still bothers you. You think you're getting back at people by holding unforgiveness? They love to know that you can't sleep at night. <clears throat> <clears throat> See, it's a poison that's inside of you, and it holds back what God wants to do, and it brings sickness and hurt and depression into your life. And God is saying, we need to let it go. By letting it go, we're saying, God, here, I, I, give, you that, I give you that wound. I give you that ex-husband, that ex-boyfriend. You're saying, God, I forgive them, I release it. And when, see, some of you, God is waiting. He's not going to deal with that person or that situation until you take your hand off of it. And just say, God, I, I choose to forgive. And, and, Back in, the, in World War II, there was a woman named Corey Ten Boom who wrote a book, and it's a movie called The Hiding Place. And she hid Jewish people as a Christian from the Nazis because they were going to be killed. And because of that, her whole family was arrested, put into a concentration camp. And, and Corey Ten Boom's sister was killed by one of the guards. And years later, she was going around preaching. <clears throat> and she met one of the guards. And that guard went up to her, held out his hand, and said, Will you forgive me for killing your sister? And here's what she responded. This is from her book. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it's not in our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. In other words, there's nothing in you that can forgive anyone. It's impossible in your own strength. But Jesus lives inside of you, and he will release that love and forgiveness. So here's what I want to do. I just want to take a moment. And, and I'm going to ask you, this is just between you and God. Just to search your heart and, and see if there's somebody that you need to forgive today. Could, it could be even someone who's not even alive anymore. But somebody who hurts you and you're still carrying around the anger and the bitterness. We want to break the power of that. Some of you can get healed just through the act of forgiveness. And here's what I want you to do. We're just going to take a, we're just going to take a moment. But when you think of that person in your mind, a mother, a boyfriend, an ex-pastor, whoever that might be, I'm just going to ask you just to speak that person's name into your hand, just quietly, and just say, I release him in Jesus' name. So let's just take a moment, and as God shows you, we're going to do ministry right now before any altar. Just say, God. So just speak that name into your hand and say, God, I forgive. So let's just take a moment, whoever God shows you. Father, in Jesus' name, we, ju we just forgive today, Lord God, all those who have hurt us. We give those hurts to you, Lord God. Father, I, I, we just release them right now. We release them to you in Jesus' name.
That's it, just let it go right now. Do not walk out this door with the same hurt and bitterness you came in with. This is your opportunity to let go of that boss. That person in your old church who judged you. Don't let it steal one more day from you. And in Jesus' name, I break the power of unforgiveness off your life. Just receive that right now. I break the power of bitterness. And I release healing into the deep places. In Jesus' name, amen. The, ne the next baggage I want to talk about is shame. And here's what shame means. It has nothing to do with what I do, but it's who I am. If somebody feels shame, it means I don't like who I am. It, it has to do with self-hatred. It has to do with, if, with the feeling that if people really get close, if they really get to know you, that they're not going to like you, they're going to reject you. Look in the Bible at Job. He says, even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. Psalm 44, 15, this is King David. My disgrace is before me all day long, and my face is covered with shame. And so many of God's people, I, I hear the way they talk. Oh, I wish I didn't look like this. I don't like who I am. I'll never be anything. I'll never have a ministry. I'll never make money. And you carry around shame in your life. There's no place for that in the body of Christ. It says in Isaiah 54, do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood for your maker is your husband. You know what that means? The creator of the universe is fully committed to you just like a husband. A true husband is committed to his wife. And he has chosen you. He's in love with you. And your identity comes from him. Your, who you are is not determined by that, by that jerk that left you. It, but instead, that's who you think yourself. That's how you, that's how you identify yourself. Here's in the, true humility. It's not walking around. This is not being humble, saying, oh, I just can't do anything. You see people all bent over. Oh, I'll never have make anything. I'm just nobody. Don't expect me to do anything. I can't preach. I can't do anything. That's not humility. Humility is you walk with your head held high and there's nobody that you can't walk up to and look right in the face because there's nobody better than you. You have to stop diminishing yourself. That is the trap of the devil. If there's anything that the devil does or the demons that Pastor George was speaking about a few weeks ago in the realm of darkness, it's to rob your identity. If the devil can get you to, to see yourself as a nobody, as a nothing, he can stop you from everything that God has for you. He'll, it'll steal your gifts, the, the life out of you. Do you know that you are beautiful in the eyes of God? You are a reflection of the beauty of God. So in Jesus' name, I break the power of shame off of every life. Will you just receive that today, your true identity, that you are royalty, that you are a child of the king? 
true humility says, I can do all things in Christ. That's what humility is. It means without God, I can do nothing. But I got the Spirit of God in me, and I can do all things. There's no more shame in God. Stop being ashamed of who you are. I see that in the Spirit all over the place. So many of you, so concerned about, I don't, about how you look. Who you are, you, you know that you look the way you do because God created you. You were in the mind and heart of God and he created you to be the person that you are. And when you say, I hate myself, I don't like how I look, I don't like who I am, you're, you're telling God, God, you did a bad job when you made me. Isn't that what preaching, Pastor George preached last week? I am perfect in the eyes of God. Well, if you're perfect, then, then begin to believe it. Begin to walk in it. It's not just something for your head. It's a, it's a tremendous reality. Don't let that thing steal from you one more day. See, Psalm 34, 5 says, Those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Because your identity is in him. You are the bride of Christ. The Bible says that you are beautiful and adorned with robes of righteousness. You are covered with him, and he loves, and he's fully committed to you. Drop that baggage right now. See, it's hard for me to let go of this thing because I see it so much. Stop holding on to it. That, that ex-boyfriend who abandoned you, walked away from you, and then, and then went around trashing you to people. That's not who you are, but that's still, some of you after 20 years, you believe that's who you are. The next area of baggage that I want to speak about is abuse. Now, there's different forms of abuse. The first one is spiritual abuse. And there's nobody who suffered spiritual abuse more than Jesus did. In Matthew 27, 39, it said, The people passed by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. You know what the religious people did to Jesus? They pulled out his beard. They laughed at him. They mocked him. See, he understands your hurts. He understands your tears. Secondly, it's sexual abuse. And do you know that sexual abuse is in the, in the Bible? In 2 Samuel 13, Tamar, who was the daughter of King David, she was, she was sexually molested and raped by her, her own brother. And in 2 Samuel 13, 9, it says that Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the robe that she was wearing. And it says in verse 20 that Tamar lived in her brother's house, a desolate woman. And that's what abuse can do to you. It makes you desolate. It can make you empty inside. It makes many people lock up their hearts so they'll never let anybody close again. So that's your protection. I'm going to keep people away because I'll never be hurt like that again. I was speaking on that a few months ago, that you need to begin now to risk love again. See, there's no love without risk. Don't let that, that abuse from the past 
rob you anymore. It could have been in the house of God. And Pastor George is going to deal more with that next week. Some of you have been really hurt in church, judged, wounded. Some of you maybe haven't got to, left church for a long time because of it. That, that's the power of abuse. And one of the worst abuses is, is word curses. When people speak over there, I've heard, I was a teacher for 20 years, and I heard some of the things that parents would speak over their kids. Oh, even by four or five years old, you're a good for nothing just like your father. You'll never make it. Why do you have to be so stupid? And do you know what? Those kids I knew four or five years old, I already knew they were going to, I could prophesy they were going to grow up to be criminals, abusers. See, because there's power in the words you speak. See, words are like containers of spirit. When you speak curses, when, I'm not talking about profanity. I'm talking about when you speak against someone. You're release, when you speak curses, you're releasing containers of demonic spirits. You're coming into partnership or agreement with the devil against that person. The same thing when you speak that over yourself. You better be careful about the words you speak about yourself. Don't say, oh, I know I'll always be sick. You're establishing that in the realm of the spirit because there's also power in blessing. When you speak blessing, you're releasing containers of the Holy Spirit that's going to operate in a person's life. See, and many of you have had word curses spoken against you. In James chapter 3, verse 6, it says that the tongue is like a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What is it, it actually says in the Bible that the words that people have spoken over you have affected and set the course of your life. People have told you, you'll never amount to anything. Maybe you never amounted to anything. I'm gonna, we're going to break that right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you all to stand right now in Jesus' name. We're going to break every word curse by the power of the Holy Spirit. If words have been spoken over you, if people have told, oh, wow, you're so ugly. Do you know that when my daughter was very young as a teenager, one of the men from the church went up to her and said, wow, you really look fat. And do you know for years after that she struggled with eating disorders because of that one word somebody said? And that's many of you. You've had words spoken over you by a parent, a boyfriend. It could have been a teacher. It could be a pastor. In Jesus' name, just receive this. I break off of you every word curse, every, every, every word that's been spoken against your life, against your body, against your finances, right now in Jesus' name, I decree and declare the power is broken. I reverse those curses in Jesus' name. Just receive that, that person who told you you were fat, you were ugly. Maybe a parent told you, I wish you were never born, and since then you've been struggling with even being alive. I break it in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name, receive that. And I, just would you receive in place of that a blessing? I just bless you right now. I, I bless you to love again. I bless you to excel. 
to prosper in every way. In Jesus' name, I bless you to love yourself. You know that you need to love yourself? Jesus said to love others as you love yourself. If you don't love you, if you hate yourself, you're going you're gonna to throw your garbage on everybody around you. So in Jesus' name, so right now, I want to break those words that you've spoken over yourself. But I'm going to ask you, if you're saying today that I'm finished speaking negativity over my life, which is what I said before, oh, I'll never have any money. I'll never, be, I'll never get a promotion. I'll never be healed. I'm going to be sick my whole life. How many of you are saying no more negativity over my life? That you're not going to speak that. So in Jesus' name, I break every word curse that you've spoken over yourself. In the name of Jesus, that's broken right now. Right now. Every place where you said, oh, I'm so ugly, I'm so stupid. I'll never have money. I break it right now and I decree and declare that you are the beauty of God. You, you are, the Bible says that you are his glory. That you are fully loved and accepted. So I just bless you with that right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to deal with one more baggage, one more area of baggage, which is rejection. And again, that's in the Bible. We look at Job. He said, I am rejected by my own family. Even young children hate me. And in Job 16, verses 1 to 5, it talks about how Job was sick. He was broken. He was in need. And you know what all his friends did? Listen to these kind of friends. Maybe some of you have got friends like this. They all came because he thought they were going to encourage him. And they all read the book of Job. You know what? They sat around and said, this happened because you're in sin. This is all your fault. You ever see those pointing fingers, the accusing tongue? And you know what Job said? Miserable comforters are you all. And see, some of you, you've had people like that. And many of us carry around rejection from the past. People that have abandoned you. People, people have walked away from you. And you still carry it around. And many of you still believe you're being rejected even when you're not. See, well, I got a degree in psychology. And one thing that I kept from it is there's the, what's called defense mechanisms, which I won't explain. But one of them is called projection. You know what projection means? I take the thoughts that are in my head, I take the way I feel about myself, and I put it into your head. Some of you believe that, oh, nobody here likes me. I hear that from people. Everybody hates me here. You know what you're doing? You're taking your own thoughts and you're placing them in people. Because what I found is that people are too worried about what people think of them to even be worried about you. See, you don't need to carry around rejection anymore. You know why? Because there's a God who loves you and accepts you. And he will not leave you. He will not abandon you. And it can, it can affect you so much that Jeremiah, the great prophet in the Bible, he was so hurt and rejected by people that... It, he said, I cursed the day that I was born. He so hated himself because he began to take in the way that people treated you. 
But Jesus gave us an example. He was rejected, the Bible says. He was despised, but he knew who he was. He didn't go backwards. He, he didn't go sideways. He kept going ahead because he knew that whatever people rejected him or said about him did not determine who he was. He, he knew that he was a child of God. <clears throat> and see, one, one of the main issues, and this is what I want to close with, one of the main areas of baggage today in our culture are father wounds, rejection by fathers, abandonment by fathers. Say, so when, I, when I was five years old, my mother and father got divorced. My father left and married somebody else. And my mother got married to a brutal, al abusive alcoholic. And through all the years, my father, years would go by and my father wouldn't come. He wouldn't intervene. He didn't care. And that's how I grew up, feeling totally rejected. I always believed that nobody liked me. Even when I became a pastor, they would call, I go to prayer meetings. I've told this story before that I go to like pastor's prayer things and they call all the pastors up and I wouldn't go. I said, no, that's only for the real pastors. I felt so rejected and a lot of it was the root from my father. But you know what the Lord told me? If you're going to believe like that, if that's your mindset, I'm not going to be able to use you anymore. And quickly, I dealt with that issue. See, when I got saved, I had stopped talking to my father because of through the years, he was never there through all the abuse and hurt and, and all the garbage that went on. And years later, I called him on the phone. He says, why didn't you ever call me? No, he's the father. He's supposed to call me. But when I got saved, I went back. I called him on the phone. And I was able to have reconciliation with him. I was able to have a father again. And I was there when he died. I was able to be by the bedside. God brought restoration in that relationship. And, and I believe that many of you have those same wounds and hurts. So this is how I want to close today. And again, some of you have heard me do this before. Well, you're going to hear me do it again then. But I, I want to stand in right now. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I, I want to stand in today for fathers who have hurt you who have abandoned you, who have wounded you. And while they come, I just want to say, if there are any of you that you are being abused right now, it, not in the past, but there's somebody sexually or physically abusing you, I want you to come and see me after church because we'll help you deal with that, whatever you, whatever you need to do. But I, I want to stand in for fathers right now and do something called identificational repentance. See, in the Bible, there was a prophet named Daniel, and he, he said he was sorry, not only for the things he did, but for other people and even for his fathers and the past generations in order to bring forgiveness. So I'm going to do this and stand in for your fathers today in order to bring forgiveness. <laughs> so I, I want to come to you right now as a father, and I want to say I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for abandoning you, for leaving you and making you feel that there was something wrong with you, making you feel like it was all your fault. I'm sorry as a father that I never remembered your birthday. That I wasn't there for the baseball game. I wasn't there for the school play. 
I'm sorry as a father for coming home drunk where you had to, you had to be afraid of me. I'm sorry today as a, fa as a father for sexually abusing you, for stealing your innocence. You didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve those hurts. You didn't deserve for me to walk away. And, and I want to say today that I'm sorry. And I just bless you today as a father. I want to tell you that I am proud of you. I'm proud for the man that you've become, the woman that you've become, that you have overcome all the obstacles. I bless you to prosper, to be successful. I bless your marriage. I bless you in every way. So in closing, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And maybe some of you want to stand with me in, in dealing with some of these hurts or wounds. Maybe some of you can identify with my story about your father. So if, you, if, you, if you've been hurt, abused, wounded, and you need healing like, like I do today, I'm just going to invite you to come to the altar as we worship. And I believe God is going to do something in your life. I'm going to just come down here. So anyone else that, that you want to stand with me today, you've been hurt, abused, or wounded, I just want to invite you to come. Just come. Forget about what people think. It, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that somebody knows that you've been hurt. Those days are over. Right, Pastor George? We're taking off those masks. All the, I, I don't have, people don't have to think anymore that I got it all together. Those days are over. I'm going to let you, you know. See, Pastor George preached that. Sometimes I'm not okay, and it's okay to let people know. These messages have to get in you. And I'm going to invite those in the prayer team to come quickly. Because we have people up here right now who need to know that there's somebody that will stand with them today.